Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. We're opening today with the National Anthem of Tonga. This program was researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. You're listening to edition NWS 675 for release on Sunday, January 30th, 2022. Today on WaveScan, a tribute to Tonga and our Indian DX report. Dramatic news out of the South Pacific tells of a spectacular underwater volcanic explosion that was heard in Alaska and New Zealand and that sent tsunami waves into all islands in the Pacific and all countries of the Pacific Rim. This massive seismic event occurred off the coast of the islands of Tonga and was photographed from space by weather satellites high in the sky. Ray Robinson has our report. Thanks, Jeff. It was late afternoon at 5.26pm local time on Saturday, January the 15th, 2022, that the violent underwater eruption occurred between the two uninhabited small islands known as Hunga Tonga and Hunga Ha'apai. Recent volcanic activity in the area had created a small, though temporary, island between the two Hunga Islands. Several high-in-the-sky satellites filmed the violent eruption from different angles, and these showed the instantaneous explosion that rapidly spread 3 miles wide and 12 miles high. Ultimately, the massive cloud of volcanic ash reached nearly 20 miles high. The initial seismic event was estimated at 7.9 on the Richter scale, and the explosive shock wave, travelling at 830 miles an hour, was heard in New Zealand nearly two hours later, and in 6,000 miles distant Alaska, more than seven hours later. The Tonga volcanic explosion is described as the largest ever observed from space. Tsunami warnings were issued for all areas around the Pacific and successive waves up to four feet high and more smashed onto distant coastal areas. Satellite photography showed that several small and uninhabited islands in the Tonga archipelago were completely washed over by the ocean surge and Japan reported a tsunami at seven feet high. Over in the Americas, California reported a tsunami impact of nearly four and a half feet. Beachside food shops in coastal Peru in South America were damaged and destroyed, and two women were unfortunately washed out to sea. These are the only known deaths reported in the ocean-wide disaster. In the Tongan Islands themselves, coastal areas of their capital city, Nuku'alofa, underwent a vigorous inflow of three or four tsunami waves, resulting in widespread flooding with considerable damage. The darkened sky pitch black with ash, steam and small hot lava rocks, has spread a layer of debris over the whole city nearly one inch thick, thus contaminating fresh water storage and hindering food production. The landscape looks like a moonscape, the locals reported. 
All electronic communication with Tonga has been cut and very little internal information has become available. Both New Zealand and Australia are sending surveillance aircraft on flight missions over Tonga in an endeavour to assess the extent of damage to the infrastructure of the islands and to discover the immediate needs of the 100,000 inhabitants in various areas. Here are the Catilio singers from the Adventist-operated Beulah College at Vaini on the main island Tonga Tapu. Catilio singers of Beulah College with a song called Pacific Wave. The Polynesian Kingdom of Tonga lies almost due north of New Zealand and is made up of 169 islands, 36 of which are inhabited. These islands are mostly volcanic in nature, surrounded by a coral reef, and the total land area for the whole country is only about 100 square miles. It's generally considered that Tonga was settled by seafarers from Samoa around 1500 BC. Europeans first reached Tonga about 400 years ago, the Dutch were first, followed by the British and then the Spanish. 200 years ago, Protestant missionaries from England settled in Tonga and it was through them that the island chief was designated as a king and he took the throne name King George, as in England. Tonga was once known by avid stamp collectors as Tin Can Mail Island. Back in 1882, plantation manager William Travers wrote a letter to the Tongan postal authorities asking that they seal mail addressed to him in a ship's biscuit tin and solder it closed. This tin can filled with postal mail was then taken by the next passing ship and thrown overboard at New Afu'u Island, where swimmers came out and brought the container ashore. In 1928, the resident postal officer on Tin Can Island made a rubber stamp with the slogan Tin Can Mail, and thus began a tradition that caught the attention of stamp collectors throughout the world. Mail was delivered to this island in this way for a hundred years, right up until 1983, when a small airport on the island enabled delivery of mail by plane. With a population of around 100,000, there's an equal number of Tongan diaspora living in New Zealand, Australia and the United States. And then in normal times, the same number of people visit the islands of Tonga each year as tourists. 
The first regular radio broadcasting station in Tonga was inaugurated under the call sign ZCO on July the 4th, 1961, with 10 kilowatts on 1020 kilohertz. This call sign was changed to A3Z exactly 14 years later in 1975, and the medium wave channel was changed to 1017 kilohertz five years later again in 1980. Throughout the years, there have always been two medium wave transmitters at 10 kilowatts each installed in the radio station at Nuku Alofa, one as the active unit and the other on standby. Back more than 30 years ago, in 1989, a new shortwave service was inaugurated in Nuku Alofa in an endeavour to bring local radio coverage to all the islands in the Tonga group. The initial temporary shortwave unit was made locally, and it was rated at just 200 watts. A more substantial transmitter was installed shortly afterwards, and it operated with 1 kilowatt on the 60 metre band channel of 5030 kHz. The antenna system was a horizontally polarised dipole. A storm destroyed the antenna system in 1993, after which the United Nations UNESCO provided a new 1 kilowatt transmitter and a new antenna system. However, four years later again, in 1997, Cyclone Hina caused further damage to the antenna systems and to the transmitter itself. The shortwave broadcasts from Nuku Alofa were always a relay of the medium wave service, and the last known broadcast on shortwave occurred in June 1997. By that time, a new FM service was on the air, and FM relay stations were installed on the outlying islands. Medium wave radio station A3Z in Tonga is one of the few medium wave stations still on the air in the islands of the South Pacific, and it is often still heard in New Zealand and Australia with its 10 kilowatts on 1017 kilohertz. The station's always been a very good verifier with a distinctive QSL card, both under the old callsign ZCO and under their subsequent callsign A3Z. Many of the QSL cards issued by station A3Z carry unique postage stamps, such as one in the circular shape of a camera lens and another in the shape of a banana. (laughs) Back to you, Jeff. (laughs) Thank you, Ray Robinson of KVOH, for that profile of broadcasting in Tonga. For many years, the two major international broadcasters that were widely listened to in the South Pacific were Radio Australia and Radio New Zealand International. In 2017, Radio Australia ended its shortwave transmissions to the South Pacific, so Radio New Zealand International, which later changed its name to Radio New Zealand Pacific, is now the major shortwave voice in the region. RNZ Pacific has been covering the Tonga tragedy extensively. Here's part of a newscast from January 17th. RNZ News at 1 o'clock. I'm Marama Tipole. It's now believed that at least three people have died following the eruption in Tonga on Saturday. New Zealand's High Commissioner in Nukualofa is understood to have heard the details from Tonga police. Alicia Foon has more. There is now a huge clean-up operation underway in the town. It has been blanketed in thick volcanic dust. Serious damage is reported from the west coast of Tongatapu. A state of emergency has also been declared. A Tonga New Zealander says he's been trying for days to reach family and friends in Tonga, but has been unsuccessful. Radio New Zealand also broadcast a message from New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, which included a few remarks about the communication situation in Tonga. 
Communication with Tonga remains very limited, and I know that is causing a huge amount of anxiety for the Tongan community here who are trying to get hold of loved ones back home. The main undersea communications cable has been impacted, likely due to the loss of power, and that is why communications have been limited. Telecommunication authorities are working urgently to restore communication. And Radio Australia, on its internet service, has covered the Tonga crisis in a program called Pacific Beat. Here are some excerpts. ABC Radio Australia. The death toll from this weekend's volcanic eruption in Tonga has risen to three, with fears that the death toll could be higher as more information comes from the outer islands. With the country's sole communication cable to the outside world still down, the lack of information is causing anxiety for Tongans in Australia. Talia Olatia reports. Reverend Lavingi Finet Tupo is holding the memories of her last Zoom call with her family in Tonga close to her heart. The volcanic eruption and tsunami effectively cut off Tonga from the rest of the world. And while Reverend Tupo understands her family was able to evacuate, she, like many Tongans living outside of the kingdom, are turning to their faith for strength. Even though we can't connect to our loved ones in Tonga, our one connection is that we we just connect to God. That's our channel of communication. We talk to God. We are sure they are talking to God as well. Some excerpts from Pacific Beat on Radio Australia. Ray Robinson saw a report on BBC TV on January 20th, which seemed to indicate that at least some international telephone service to Tonga had been restored. Telephone services are also back, and that means for Tongans living abroad, the agonizing wait for news is finally over. It's a relief to finally hear their voices and to, to finally know how they are back home. Um, my dad had told me that, you know, they're fine, um, no major damages to our homes. So at the moment, the uh, I've got family over in the outer islands of Ha'apai. I, I have heard from them and they're doing okay. Uh, who I haven't heard from is my father. I'm sure he's out there working hard, doing what he does. That from the BBC. Incidentally, Tonga is part of the British Commonwealth. Then on January 21st, Radio Australia's program confirmed that some international communications had been restored, however intermittent. You're listening to Pacific Beat on ABC Radio Australia. First to Tonga, where the first plane carrying aid following the huge volcanic eruption and tsunami has landed. International communications have also been restored, but as Talia Olatia reports, people are still having trouble getting through to the kingdom. There were cheers and big smiles when Pacifica TV and radio in Brisbane finally connected with Tonga. Okay. Telecom operator Digicel announced on Wednesday night it had managed to restore international call capability to Nukualofa via a satellite link. However, not everyone could immediately get through. At the time of recording, Reverend Lavingi Finet Tupo was still desperately trying to get through to her brother in the capital. I've been trying all night last night. Even early morning, we were told that uh, it would be better to ring when um, when it's a little quieter, which is early, early morning, but still no success. It's a similar story for Reverend Lonnie Viatoi in Shepparton. There's a whole lot of people from all over the world trying to get to Tonga. <laughs> 
and the system is clocked up. Uh, so we were we have been advised if you get through, just to speak very shortly. <laughs> Digicel says full network services won't be available until the undersea cable is fixed. The founder and executive director of Pacifica TV and Radio, Suliani Late, says he's found success calling Tonga through social media. We've got through, um, yep. not on the phone. We've got through through messenger phone calls. Oh, um, on Facebook. So Digicel, yes, on Facebook. And on January 25th, we noted that the Tonga Broadcasting Commission website was finally back up although operating very slowly and with not much audible when we clicked on the live stream. And that was it. Hopefully the live stream of Radio Tonga will be re-established in the coming days. Last week we told you about the opening of the A22 High Frequency Coordination Conference, or HFCC. In his opening remarks at the virtual conference, Ahmed Nadim, Director of Technology and Innovation at the Asia-Pacific Broadcasting Union, made reference to the COVID pandemic and the tragedy in Tonga. Uh, it's a difficult situation, and on top of it, I believe you are all aware of the situation in the Pacific, especially with our colleagues in Tonga, after the volcano and the following tsunami. Unfortunately, the failure in communication, we are not able to get any news out of Tonga. We are trying to get in touch with them. We are trying to see how we can help them. I think these are the kind of scenarios uh, where broadcasting can play a key role, especially uh, uh, broadcasting like shortwave, which can cover large areas. We could provide good information to them, uh, those who are affected. Ahmed Nadim of the Asia-Pacific Broadcasting Union speaking at the HFCC A22 conference. Now it's over to Prithviraj Prakayasta for our Indian DX report. Namaskar and greetings on the occasion of New Year 2022 to all my fellow DXers and radio lovers. Welcome you all to a brand new episode of Indian DX report on WebScan. This is Prithviraj Prakayasta, VU3TQD, reporting from Assam in India. Recently, I was on a personal trip to Hyderabad, the capital city of Telangana state in the southern India. Although it was not a pleasant DXing from my hotel room there due to excessive electrical noise etc. But during evening hours, I could manage to hold few stations including TWR India medium wave transmission on 882 kHz via Puttalam in Sri Lanka which are never heard in Assam QTH due to strong presence of AIR frequency. On that Sunday, around 14-15 UTC, I heard TWR transmission on 882 kHz with a SINPO of 45333. Here is a recording of TWR 882 kHz. However, from 1st January, Transworld Radio had discontinued its morning broadcast between 2230 to 01 UTC from Puttalam, Sri Lanka on 882 kHz with 400 kW. 
They have only evening broadcast now between 13.30 to 16.30 UTC. The Sri Lanka Broadcasting Corporation has restarted its Colombo International Radio Service in Tamil to India on 8.73 kHz from 19th January between 01.25 to 02.30 hour UTC. It is that 400 kW transmitter located at Puttalam and used by TWR on 882 kHz at other times. With the permanent termination of AIR Jaipur on 50 kW shortwave 5040 kHz with effect from 31st December 2021 and with reported discontinuation of shortwave transmissions of AIR ISOL 10 kW on 5050 and 7295 kHz AIR Gangtok 10 kHz on 4835 and 6085 kHz AIR New Delhi 250 kW on 6030 and 6100 kHz AIS Srinagar 50 kW on 4950 and 6110 kHz The shortwave broadcast scenario in India is changing very fast. However, many stations among them have already monitored off-air for past several months and only available on medium wave and FM mode. With this, All India Radio is left with only three stations operating on shortwave and they are AIR Bangalore, AIR New Delhi and AIR Leh. Meanwhile, AIR has announced extension of its external service on shortwave in Tibetan, Dari, Pashto, Baluchi, Mandarin and Nepali languages. Starting from the first week of January, the existing one and a half hour broadcast in these languages have been doubled to three hours each. All India Radio Hyderabad B on 1377 kHz, which was transmitting with 20 kW, noted off-air. This channel used to carry Yubhavani program for youth in Telugu, English, Urdu and other programs in Kannada and Marathi. In the old days, there was a DX program also in English being broadcast. After national lockdown due to COVID-19 situation, their normal programs were heard only during the morning broadcast between 6.30 to 10.45 a.m. IST. Hyderabad B service was started on 13th November 1972. It was in service for exactly 49 years 2 months. At first a 10 kW transmitter was used which was replaced by 20 kW transmitter later on. Similarly, Chennai B on 1017 kHz has recently announced permanent termination of its transmission on medium wave. It will be now available on FM mode only. Earlier, New Delhi B channel on medium wave 666 kHz with 100 kilowatt power transmitter has also discontinued with effect from the beginning of new year. It was called Rajdhani channel and some of its programs were relayed by all stations of AIR on the national network. Ever since lockdown due to COVID-19, regular programs of this channel were stopped and FM rainbow programs were broadcast instead. However, 
एआईआर न्यू दिल्ली कंटिन्यूज टू ब्रॉडकास्ट ऑन टू अदर मीडियम वेब चैनल्स इन एएम एंड डीआरएम एंड थ्री एफएम चैनल्स ऑन द होम सर्विस फ्रॉम फर्स्ट जनवरी 2022 फेबा हैज डिसकंटिन्यूड इट ब्रॉडकास्ट वाया केटीडब्ल्यूआर गोआम इन मलयालम ऑन 11590 किलोहर्ट्ज एट 12:45 टू 13 आवर यूटीसी द प्रोग्राम्स ऑफ केटीडब्ल्यूआर इटसेल्फ इज ब्रॉडकास्ट at that time now and friends searching for local community radio stations and tuning them has become an integral part of my radio monitoring during my recent visit to hyderabad i heard radio charminar 107.8 megahertz fm this community radio station has been running in a school near charminar area of hyderabad and was established by an educational society named ahilbite institute in 2015 i would like to conclude this edition of idxr with a short audio recording of this community radio station which i made but before this i would like to extend my hearty gratitude and thanks to jose jacob view to jose and dx india group for their continuous support to idxr if you have any comments and suggestions on this dx capsule or want to send me a reception report then please write to me at indian dx report at gmail.com that is indian dx report at gmail.com let's conclude this edition with the beautiful audio of radio charminar 107.8 fm from hyderabad you are listening to 107.8 radio charminar जय हिंद मेरे प्यारे दोस्तों मैं हूं आरजे जय आपके अपने शो शाम की पाठशाला में ओनली ऑन रेडियो चार मीनार वन सेवन पॉइंट एट एफ दिल से हैदराबादी थैंक यू पृथ्वीराज Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. We end with music from the Afokula singers, traditional music from Tonga. Next week on WaveScan, we have a submarine relay station for the Voice of America, way back in the middle of last century. our ancient dx report for 1927 and our japan dx report several qsl cards are available for this program send your awr and ksda reception reports for way scan to the awr address in bangkok thailand i'll give you that in a moment and also to the station that your radio is tuned to wrmi or wwcr or kvoh or voice of hope africa or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry wave scan remember too you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program they will also verify with their own colorful QSL card return postage and an address label are always appreciated the email address for AWR QSLs is qsl@awr.org org the postal address for awr qsls is adventist world radio 
P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. Again, that's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. The email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, not reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone.